Choir did a good job on that song, that medley, didn't they? Amen? Yeah. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And let's talk about the town of Bethlehem. What's so special about the town of Bethlehem? What, what was, so we know what's special now, right? Amen? What was so special about the town of Bethlehem back then? Let's talk about that this morning. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this great story that's true, that's part of the history, that actually has changed history and changed lives for 2,000 years. Thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world. For each and every one of us, for all people everywhere, that they might know you, that they might know you as their God and their Father in heaven and on earth, and that they might know him, your Son, as our Savior. We thank you, Father, for this time of the year to celebrate his birth. We take an entire month, God, to celebrate the birth of your Son. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. And we pray that the story doesn't just stay a story, but it becomes part of who we are as your people. And that, Father, that this story is taken and shared not only in our families, but also amongst our friends and neighbors, co-workers, that our entire community, God, will know the true story of Christmas, that it really isn't about trees and lights and gifts and those kind of things, but it's all about you and about your son. It's all about us and our Savior as well. We thank you for that. We praise, praise you for that. We ask, Father, today as we look at this part of the Christmas the Christmas story, we pray that you would speak to us and really drive home the truths that we need to hear that we need to know and we need to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, we're blessed here in America today, aren't we? We really are. For over a thousand years now, a little over a thousand years, most people in America have been born in a hospital. Not all, but most people have been born in a hospital. I remember when we started having our family, we had kids. And uh, the hospital that we went to in Salina was very clean. Uh, it was very clean. It was it was uh, very up to date. Uh, it, it, Anna had her own room. Uh, in that room, she had a bed and it had nice clean sheets. She had a doctor. She had nurses. Some of our family members were there waiting for the babies to come. As each child was born, they would come and wait with me, and and we would wait for the the birth to happen. The waiting room had couches. The waiting room had chairs and a TV. Down the hall was a pop machine and vending machine, so we could get something to eat or drink if we wanted to as we waited. But Mary didn't have any of that. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever compared our time and our lives to hers? She didn't have any of those things. Her baby wasn't born in a hospital room. She, wasn't, she didn't give birth on a bed and clean, with nice clean sheets. She didn't even have a doctor or nurses. All she had, get this, all she had was a barn, a shack, some straw to lie on, a guy named Joseph, and she had God. She had God, Amen. So no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how bad things could downturn in our lives, don't forget this, friends. We're okay if we have God. Amen. Yeah. 
All her life, Mary had to trust God, and she proved herself trustworthy, trusting in God. When she was told she was going to have a baby, she wasn't even married. And that was very scandalous in those days to be have a child out of wedlock. And she had to trust God to deal with Joseph. Joseph, she wasn't sure about Joseph. Uh, he, she, he finds out that she's going to have a baby, and the first thought is, I'm breaking off this engagement. We're not going to get married. She had to trust that God could deal with his doubts, his concerns, his worries. And God took care of it. He took care of all of it. Every bit. From the birth, from the conception, to the birth, to, to getting to Bethlehem, to everything. He took care of everything. He chose the right man in Joseph. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man, meaning he was a godly man. And he, he would follow God and trust in God. Now, the Old Testament does tell us that Bethlehem is special for a couple other things. One is that Jacob buried his first love there, Rachel. He buried his first love in what was become Bethlehem. Also, we know that Ruth moved there from Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. There at Bethlehem, she met her, her husband-to-be, Boaz, and they started a family. Now that family came the King David. So it was famous for that. It was well-known for that. But by the time of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem was just a small town, small country town. Wasn't much going on there. It, it was just five miles or so, maybe six or seven at the most from Jerusalem. A little, little town. It wasn't famous. It had no stature. It had no claim to fame. It was There was nothing special about Bethlehem at that time. Nothing really special at all until Jesus was born. And you know what? When Jesus moves in, he makes everything special. He does. He does. It might be hard at times. There might be difficulties still, but he makes everything special no matter where he's at. When he moves into our lives, our lives become special because now we belong to him. We belong to God. Point number one on your outline. Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. There really was nothing special other than the fact that that's where he was supposed to be born. We could get a verse one to, one to three with me. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman this was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. You know, talking about a census here, a census where you count people. You count households. How many people are in this household? What, what, do, what do they do? That's the way we do our censuses. Our government comes to us to take a census, right? Every 10 years, someone knocks on our door, or they send us a paper in, in, in the in the mail, we fill that out and we turn it back in, and that's our census. When Rome ruled the world, it made the people come to it. That's a big difference between governments. It made the people come to wherever they had been born, wherever their family had originated at. That's where they made the people go home. Caesar Augustus is the one who ordered this, this, uh, this, this census. He basically owned the world. He was the ruler, the emperor of the Roman Empire. He had godlike powers like nobody else. So what Caesar said happened. Whatever he said, it happened the way he wanted it to happen. And like a lot of people who like things their way, when they hold that much power, Augustus decided he's going to reorganize the entire Roman uh, Empire. And so a census were taken. There were census taken in different parts of the world at different parts of the time. So this is not a worldwide census here. It's one of Judea and Palestine. And there are others taken elsewhere. These senses were taken mainly for one purpose. What is that one purpose do you think that is? What do governments love to do more than anything else? 
That's right. Mainly the purpose of the census was to determine how to tax everybody they could. He decided he was going to reorganize the, the whole entire Roman Empire just for that purpose, to tax people. And like all governments, everybody, like all governments, Rome liked to tax their own folks. We know about that, right? Amen? Yeah. And so at the end of verse 3, it says, everyone went to his own town to register. What we should really see, or what we should be seeing here, really, is not the iron fist of a tyrant Roman Empire emperor. Not shuffling people around like pieces on a chessboard or a checkerboard, checkerboard, but the mighty hand of God. That's what we need to be noticing here, is the mighty hand of God bringing things together, sovereign in all things. God is sovereign no matter who's on the throne. He is always sovereign, working out his plan, fulfilling his will, bringing about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the way God said it would happen. One of the things we forget about Christmas is it all came together the way God wanted it to come together, the way he had pre-organized it to come together, the way he had planned it out. When the wise men arrived in Jerusalem, they asked, about a baby that, that was to be born to be called the king of the Jews. They said they'd followed a star. They'd followed his star. And his star had led them to Jerusalem. Again, we see God at work. His plan is being unfolded and fulfilled. Herod, another iron-fisted tyrant, didn't know where to find the baby in, in Judea. He was in Jerusalem. He didn't know where to find baby Jesus, but he knew some people who did. Who did some chief priests, the teachers of the law there in Jerusalem. So he called them in and he asked them. And Matthew 2 verse 4 says, where was the Christ to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. See how God uses people to fulfill his plan? Even iron-fisted tyrants, men who are used to getting their way, like Herod, like Caesar Augustus and others. They were used to getting their way. They, what they said happened. And yet God used them to bring about the birth of his son, to bring about his plan. Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. It was God's will. All along, it was God's plan from the very beginning of creation. But from before the beginning of creation, God's plan of salvation had already been set in place. It was set there ready to be put into motion when it was time, when God's timing came about. One thing we need to learn from Christmas is that, is that tyrants and dictators might seem to look like they're in control, but God is the one who's always in control. There's nothing that can take God out of control. There's nothing. He works things around. Yes, men and people will have plans, have schemes, and they try to twist things around, and Satan does that too. He'll twist things around. He'll get things turning and going the other way, but God's plan always works out the way God wants it. And we need to understand that and accept that. He works out every detail of his plan, and he fulfills his sovereign will. Nothing can stop God. Here in Luke's Gospel, Christmas story shows us that, that God brought about Jesus Christ into the world and into history according to his plan. Because Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And that's what makes Bethlehem special. Amen? Yeah. But for a while, number two, Bethlehem wasn't a special place. It was not a special place at all. Everyone was going to their towns to, to, to go and to answer to the census. They were going to where their families had originated. That's where Joseph's family originated at. So he went. He went to Bethlehem. Look at verse 4. 
Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. We're talking about genealogy here. Anybody interested in genealogies? I'm getting, starting to kind of get a little interested in that, being from Irish, I have an Irish background and have an almost an entire Irish background. Today, genealogy in our culture is a hobby, right? For most, it's a hobby. It's also a very big business. Look up Ancestry.com. They want you to sign up and, and register and pay monthly dues or whatever fees. And there's fees for more stuff as you go deeper and deeper. Uh, so it's big business today. But for the Jewish people, genealogies were important. They were very important. They weren't big business. They were important. They were important records to be kept. Through genealogy, a person's status in the culture was determined back then. Where they, where they fit in at, who they were, who their family were, was important. Leadership roles, military service were all determined by genealogies, and so were temple duties. Something that was very coveted back in, in the first century and before. Uh, people, men, wanted to serve in the temple any way they could, and so genealogies allowed for that. It also disallowed for that as well. Jesus was from a great family. He was from a kingly family, a royal family, the royal family of David. But by the time of his birth, his earthly family was no longer so great. Anybody been there? Family started out really good and, and done well in life. But at some point, somewhere along the line, something happened. And the family kind of fell into uh, disarray, maybe. Maybe a divorce or whatever. Something like that. Who knows? But here he's born into a, a great family, but it's also a poor family, a working class family. Remember what his father's for Joseph's prayer was? He was a carpenter, yeah, just a common carpenter, an ordinary carpenter, a guy that worked with his hands. But that's the way God often works, isn't it? If, if you read your Bible, if you study history, if you study people's lives who, who follow Jesus, who, who are followers of Christ, God often uses the common things of this world to show how great He is, not how we are. And He shows that He cares for those who aren't rich, who, who aren't influential, who aren't powerful. He cares for those folks too. Listen to Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says. I like that description of God. This is one of the first times I've ever come across that. The high and lofty one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, God says, but also with him who is contrite spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart contrite. What does the contrite mean? What does that word contrite mean? It means someone who's really, truly sorrowful about something they might have done that offended somebody else like God. Now, lowly is just somebody who has no power, who has no influence, no authority, no, any, no anything. They're just an average person. And God says, I, hey, I'm with them. I'm with you. Never more so than he is through Jesus Christ, by the way. Through Jesus Christ, God is with us all the time. That's why he's called Emmanuel, right? Amen? Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. And in the New Testament, listen to what Paul said. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1.26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called, called to salvation, called by God into the church. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Well, I tell you, I'm right there. I had none of that stuff. But God chose the foolish things. I'm right there too. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Aren't you glad God chose you and called you into the church? Amen. 
I don't have any influence. I don't have any power. I'm foolish at times. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. You know what? No one is too big. No one is too small for God. No one. You can't be too big. You can't be too small. He can save a rich person or a poor person. It doesn't matter. And he can use a rich person or a powerful person. And he can use a poor person. It doesn't matter to him either. He can use all of us. That's the thing. He can use all of us. And the thing of this, he wants to use all of us. What matters is that we let God use us to tell the true story of Christmas. Because Christmas really can change a person's life. Change mine. I don't know about you, but it really did change mine. That's why we should invite people to come with us to church on Sundays or come to church tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're having our Christmas uh, candlelight service at 6.30 right here. Invite friends. Invite your family. and Bring people with you. Celebrate. Hear the songs. To hear a short message about Jesus and what He means, what he can mean for them and to their lives. It's why we support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering as well. We take this love offering up every year at Christmas during the month of December. Why? To send people around the world so that other cultures can be changed by Jesus Christ, the power of salvation, the power of the gospel. So other people can hear about who Jesus really is. Instead of reading about something in the newspaper or, or watching something on TV that's half true, they can hear the whole story, the true story, because we all sent missionaries somewhere around the world. You see, point number three, Bethlehem wasn't special until God made it special. Amen? Bethlehem wasn't special until God made it special. Look at verse 6 and 7. While they were there at Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. No grand announcements on TV. No great a documentary about that birth. No front page news. No texting. No tweets. No emails. Just she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there's no room for them in the end. Wow. That's pretty simplistic, isn't it? There's not much fanfare there, is there? There's, the angels aren't there yet. We don't see the angels. We'll talk about them tomorrow night. Just simply a birth of a child, but a very special child. You see, Jesus is King of kings and Lords of lords, isn't he? Amen? Yeah, he's the King of kings and Lords of lords. He's the creator of this world that we live in. And all that we read is that she gave birth to her firstborn son. We don't even see his name here. Isn't that amazing? And when he was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem became special. He doesn't even name him, and yet we know it's a special place now because God made it special at the birth of his Son, our Savior. I like what Paul wrote in Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. That you and I might be called the children of God. Because of this little baby boy that we celebrate, his birth. The time and the place of Jesus' birth were right. The timing was right. The place was right. And so it happened, all according to God's great will. Man, this is something we ought to be telling everybody about. This is a story that everybody needs to hear and to know. But that's all we know about the child, isn't it? That's really about it. 
know almost nothing else about his childhood. The New Testament only has two other stories, really, about him as a child. One, when he's taken to the temple, where he meets Anna and Zechariah, and he's blessed, and he's, he's plain for who he is. He's dedicated to God. And the other is when he's 12 years old, and he's left there by his parents behind in the temple. They forgot about him. They, they didn't see him, and they, didn't, they thought he was with the group. And they missed him. Have you ever left a child behind somewhere? That's got to be scary. Those are the only two things. But he was in a safe place. He was in the temple with all these other learned people teaching them. But what we do know about Jesus is this. When he grew up, he changed the world. Unlike anybody else, there has never been a tyrant who's changed the world the way Jesus has. Not even Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or Mao Zedong or any other of those, those mass murdering tyrants. And he's still changing the world today, one person at a time. He changed the world by changing people's lives. That's the hope that you and I have. If your life has been changed, you have great hope. And you have hope for those who, who don't know him. Your loved ones who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus Christ, there's hope for them. He will change their life if they'll let him. And that's the key. But not everyone accepts Christ, do they? Not everyone accepts him and receives him for who he is. Even when he's on earth, many of his own people rejected him. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 10. The Apostle John wrote this, and he's telling us about Jesus and about his effect on people. He said, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Don't forget, Jesus was a Jewish man. And many of the Jews, not all, but many of the Jews did reject who he is. Many Gentiles do as well. Listen also what John says now in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Amen. What a powerful message. Jesus is the Christ in Christmas. Don't ever forget that. And don't let anyone else try to change your mind. He really can change your life if you let him. But it's up to you. It's up to that person and no one else. Our song today is Just As I Am. This, this hymn used to be very famous. And I'm sure all of you know this hymn. You've been in church before many times. But it's, not, it's kind of fading away. Its message is very simple. Listen to this verse. Just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, with many a doubt, Fighting's within and fears without. What a powerful verse. Jesus, I come just as I am. Does that sound like your spiritual life? Does that sound like where you're at with God? If it does, God, God wants to help you. God wants to do something about your fears, about your conflicts, but you have to ask Him. And then you have to let Jesus into your life. You have to let Him take you just as you are, and He will take you just as you are. Amen. If anyone is ready to make a decision for Christ today, I'll be up front as we sing. Come forward. I'll be glad to talk to you about these things. Let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing. Father, this morning I thank you for the privilege of being called your son. And I thank you, God, for allowing me to, sh to share the story of Christ. And so I just pray, God, today that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they'll receive you, that you'll receive your son, that you'll take